Anybody ever struggle with sin? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> they got the camera on us. You ever wonder why? Have you ever been to the place where you committed a sin, whatever it was, and you go back before the Lord and it's like, God, why are we back at this again? Betty, do you ever wish there was... uh, I don't know. I'm one of those dummies when it comes to praying, but I've asked the Lord, Lord, couldn't there be like a magic bullet? You know, some super pill? You just take it and swallow it and... I mean, it works for coughs and colds, right? You're cured. There's no more sinning. There's no more having to deal with temptation. Some of you are looking at me like, boy, he's got problems. (laughs) I thought we would take a look at sin tonight. And before we do, let's just commit this time the Lord's given us in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for once again bringing us to a familiar place for many of us. But Father, sometimes familiarity can become Routine, mundane. Father, dare I say, sometimes it can become boring. But yet, God, in your mercy and your grace, you have afforded us this opportunity to sit here at Calvary Bible Church. You've afforded us another opportunity to come here freely, without the fear of persecution, without worrying about whether our loved ones would be taken out of their homes, but God, you've carved out this time for us. Father, thank you. May we not take it for granted. And in so doing, dear God, we ask now, even now, dear God, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, prepare us, purify us, dear God, make us useful for your good pleasure. Take now the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and make them acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I was reflecting on Pastor Lee's sermon, um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and chapter 10. And uh, uh, he was talking about how we disqualify ourselves, or rather he talked about how the children of Israel had disqualified themselves by their behavior. Uh, he said, basically, we all run a race. And there were four examples in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, where persons who were running the race uh, were disqualified. I can't wait to hear the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm not going to uh, 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 do what only Pastor Lee can do. And then this morning... Uh, Pastor Michelo talked about the discipline of the Lord. And I couldn't help but think about uh, the times when I was littler and uh, (laughs) 
I couldn't help but reflect about my grandmother who pretty much did most of the disciplining because my mom was at work, my dad was elsewhere. And uh, by the time my mother got home, most of the discipline issues were taken care of. And uh, <laughs> Pastor Mitch, uh, you know, you talk about when they send you to get the belt. My grandmother used to say, go to the tree. And uh, you come back with a switch. And if it's not a healthy looking switch, man, that's another death walk back to that tree. But the discipline of the Lord is such that it is not meant to inflict permanent pain, but it's to turn our hearts, is it not? But what, what causes there to be a requirement for discipline? Sin. What's that? Sin that we don't repent of. There's that magic bullet I wish I, w I had. I thought we'd take a look at James chapter 1 and kind of look at the anatomy of sin, if you could. I don't know if I'm using the right word, but let's look at how, how it happens. Uh, how we in our Christian walk might find ourselves disqualified um, when the Lord has to take us out to the spiritual woodshed, so to speak. Um, certainly many of us have heard these words before, wait till your mother gets home, or wait till your daddy gets home. Or in the words of my grandmother, I can catch you when you sleep. <laughs> what causes sin? What, what causes us to want to sin? Well, first and foremost, out the gate, let's understand that that's part of our human nature. We're we're prone to sinning, are we not? I mean, uh, Brother Anton's got this beautiful, lovely bundle of joy in his arms, and right now she's um, she's snoozing, and certainly uh, Brother Anton and um, his blushing bride would look at that child and say, oh, she's so sweet, and we would look at her and say, oh, she's so sweet. Um, uh, Brother Paul get, has got another one in his arms and, and we look at him and we say, oh, they're so sweet. But even in that sweetness, and like Sister Marissa says, they wake up. And that sweetness turns to sourness. That sweetness turns to sit down, sit, 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 sit. Boy, didn't I? You fill in the blank. They're prone to. We don't have to teach them how to be bad, do we? We don't send them to kindergarten. Well, I better take that back. <laughs> Sometimes we send them to kindergarten and they come back worse, don't they? No, I'm just teasing. We don't have to teach them. We haven't been taught how to teeth, how to lie, how to cheat, how to pull ponytails, how to tease mercilessly. We, it comes with the DNA. Everybody agree with me? But then we get older and wiser, like the three that were up here this morning, and they kind of figure out how to get around the system. <laughs> and what causes, what causes sin? 
listen to James. James, I'll read most of the chapter, but we're looking at verses 12 to 15, but let's kind of follow it from James chapter 1 and read on. James chapter 1, verse 1, James says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know who the author is. is James. And he tells us who he's writing to. He says, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Twelve tribes. Greetings, he says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I got a problem with that verse, but we'll go on. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without doubting or without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Verse 9 and following is where it gets interesting. He says, but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Then James switches gears and he says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God or by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. We're going to look at this a little closer in a few minutes. How many of you like to fish? Okay, good. Got some fishermen and fisherwomen in here. So you get your bucket. You grab a handful of bait, you grab your line, and you head down to the dock or to the rock, or you go out on the boat to your fishing hole or wherever it is, right? And in your mind, you are saying to yourself, boy, I'm going to catch me some fish. In fact, I am hoping to catch me plenty of fish. That's usually the thought. No one in here goes fishing expecting to come home empty-handed, right? Brother Sawyer is saying, that's right. So we get to our favorite spot, on the rocks, on the dock, wherever it is. We grab our bait, whatever it is. We put the bait on the hook. And all of us have our own technique as far as how we launch. But we get it out there in the water. And there's something really 
interesting that's going on under the surface that we can't see. There's fish down there. And that fish has a problem, a desire. He's hungry. All of a sudden, out of the clear blue, food appears. And if things go as we plan, we're hoping that that fish takes a healthy swipe at that food that just appeared that he doesn't know that has a hook in it. And sure enough, soon after we've cast off or cast away, we feel a little tug. Hey, Brother Hannah? We feel a little, we feel a little tug. And we start talking to ourselves on the dock and we're pulling that thing in and we got a fish on our line. And everybody's excited. You're certainly excited because now you can eat. Let's break that scenario down. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man, first of all, who perseveres under trial. Note to self, trials will come. Okay? For once he has been approved, once he has been tested, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, James says, let no one say when he's tempted. So we've already established the fact that temptations will come. Correct? Anybody in here not been tempted? Okay, good. We're in the right crowd. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. James says, let's, let's get that out of the out of the way first. Let's make sure we have that clear understanding. No one's tempted of God. And the idea here is that God can't tempt anyone to do evil. If he does do any testing, it's knowing that good will come out. For example, some of you are already two steps ahead of me in Abraham, in Abraham, in Abraham chapter 22. Sorry. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, Scripture says, and God tested Abraham. Okay? And the testing there is the idea that God was going to test Abraham in such a way that only good was going to come out. Abraham didn't know that. God was anticipating that. So James says, let no one say, first of all, God's tempting me. And he goes on to explain why. He says, because God cannot be tempted. God cannot be tempted by evil the text says. And God himself does not tempt anyone. Okay. I go to the dock. I got my fishing bait. I got my line. The sun is just right. Or the moon, the tide is just right. All the stars are lined up just right. And I put my bait on, and I throw that line out there. 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, nothing bites. Anybody ever been there? 
You pull the line in, you look at it, it's still got bait on it. It's still got some moss and that sort of thing, but it's still got the bait on it. You take the moss, the moss off, all that green gunk, and you throw it back out, and you, you wait a while. And a while. But nothing. <laughs> some women in here are laughing. <laughs> like, that's you, sweetie. No. You pull the thing back in, and you say, well, I don't know. What's wrong with this conch slop? And I've seen people do this. I guess they reason, well, I guess the fish don't like conch, so we'll try something else. I've seen fellas go looking for soldier crab. They've tried to catch flies. They do all kind of weird things. I've seen them take the hamburger meat out of the sandwich that they took with them to the dock. Stick that on it. Something, I got to catch a fish. They rebate with a new and they throw it out, and all of a sudden, ah, something not, yeah. I get a little bite, I get a little nudge. Listen to what James says. James says, but, in verse 14, each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Remember, here's what we're anticipating. We're anticipating that that fish down there is hungry, which they usually are. We go at a particular time of day, like low tide or just when tide about to change. When's the best time to go fishing, guys? So you fellas don't want to share their secrets now. When's the best time to go fishing? Morning, evening, high tide, low tide, when they're about to change when? Ah, see, now that's, that's the voice of a fisherman there. Depends on where you're going. So humor me if you would. Imagine mama or papa fish saying to the little ones, listen, Y'all stay in the shoals. Okay? Big fish eat little fish. Y'all stay under the dock. The big fish can't get you under there. Little fish says to mama fish or papa fish, but mama, I'm hungry. Wait till the tide change, son. But I'm hungry. Y'all stay put. Stay in the shallows. Mama and Papa Fish would say. Mama Fish, Papa Fish, the big fish, they go out looking for food. And all of a sudden, twing, there's food appearing. And little fish has got this desire to eat, does he not? James says, but each one is tempted. When is he tempted? Two things happen. When is he tempted? When he's carried away and what? Enticed. So this little piece of conch just appears out of nowhere. This piece of hamburger meat appears out of nowhere. This piece of chicken appears out of nowhere. And all of a sudden it's, uh, what do you think is going on in that little fish mind? I know mama told me not to go. I know daddy told me not to go. But boy, that looks good, doesn't it? We let it hang there just a little bit longer. What happens? Marissa's one to say, talk to me, Marissa. He, he keeps looking at it. He keeps eyeing it. We're standing up on there on the dock, whistling away, saying, here, fishy, 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 fishy. 
And the longer he stays there, what happens? He thinks what? He's enticed. The scent of that chicken, the scent of that hamburger meat, the scent of that conch is just slapping back and forth down there under the water. We don't get to see it. But according to Scripture, John, uh, James chapter 14 says he's tempted because he's been carried away. And every time he smells that, he's being drawn out just a little bit more. Because what are we doing out there? We throw it out there. What do we do? Those of you who use a reel, what do y'all do? Reel it in just a little bit? Just a little bit? Y'all teasing him down there, aren't you? You feel a little nibble and you reel it in just a little bit more? You're pulling him away from his... His shelter. Scripture says, but each one is tempted when he's first carried away and then he's enticed. As a matter of fact, it says, uh, the, the, the word here for enticed, if I can find my place here, is to... Oh, where is it? What are we, verse 14? The word is to entrap. Um, the word is to, to, to catch. Um, I'll never forget the first time, um, I shouldn't use this because two of the children are here, but the first time I, 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 I met Mona Lisa, um, she kind of winked those, no, she didn't wink, she just kind of blinked those two eyes at me and it, it, it was over. I was enticed. Okay, call me weak. That's fine. That's your business. But I'm the one who's happily married. She blinked at me and she said, good morning. <laughs> I was entrapped. I was, I was caught. I couldn't even help myself at that point. I knew when I, the first word she said to me that my days were numbered. Please don't go and tell Molly I said that. Let her think that I pursued her and that, you know. But that's the reality. We've all been there. We've all struggled with a particular sin. Have we not? It begins with this desire, this want, this thing that's part of our DNA that says, to do what's wrong, to go against what God says is right. And like the little fish down there under the water, we're told, don't do this, don't do that, don't go there, don't. But yet there's this, this thing, this, this thing to be had, this, this bait. Can I share a little secret with you? You know, Satan really doesn't know what works on us. Satan isn't able to read our minds and say, I know what Jasmine's weakness is. I know what Karis's weaknesses is or are. I know what Patrick's weaknesses are. You know what he does? He switches baits on us. Okay, so Patrick don't like conch. I'll throw a little chicken at him. Okay, so Patrick don't have a problem with fooling with other people's money. I know what I'll do. I'll send a half-naked woman his way. 
I'll see how he budges that. Ah, oh, he looked. Oh, he looked twice. Oh, oh, look at what Patrick's doing. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed, how? By his own lust, his own desire, his own, as a matter of fact, here's what Merriam-Webster describes lust as, an intense, unbridled desire. Can I be mean for a minute? Or two? In the ministry God's called us to, I oftentimes find myself traveling alone. This is one area you can pray constantly for Mona Lisa and I. I'm away from my wife and children. Some little uh, female walks past and they they provide a service at a counter a ticket agent on the bus cab driver checking you into the hotel oh Mr. Rutherford how are you but if I'm not careful I can be carried away couldn't I and the temptation could be, and Patrick, you know, what's the big deal? Mona Lisa ain't going to Ain't hurt nobody. Am I being a little bit too honest? But it happens, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, I was down in Trinidad several years ago and uh, I was at a conference and a uh, cab driver picked me up. I was heading to uh, the conference site to set up and a cab driver, you know, regular chit-chat, oh, so what you doing in town? I told him what I was doing in town. Uh, he asked what my profession was. I told him what it was. Um, he says, so you're a pastor? I said, no, I'm not a pastor. He says, you speak from the pulpit? I said, sometimes. He says, then you're a pastor? I said, no, I'm not a pastor. So, we're nearing the hotel, and he turns to me in traffic, flips me his card, and he says, Hey, man. He says, If you're looking for girls or sex or party or drugs, he says, Call me. And I said, Excuse me, sir. I said, I don't, I don't have no need for those services. I said, Thank you, but no thanks, and pushed the card away. In his words, he says, "Wap." He said, "Your body." In the Caribbean, "body" means uneven, not straight. <laughs> I'm trying to be politically correct as best as I can. He says, "What happened, your body?" I said, "No, I just don't engage in that sort of thing. I'm a happily married, godly man who wants to serve God and honor his marriage by staying." 
uh, 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 pure. He kissed his teeth. I walked out of the car feeling kind of insulted. And I called Mona Lisa that night and I told her the events of this uh, that, that happened. And she said, Patrick, you know, what's really sad is he felt comfortable offering his services to you, a Christian, a missionary, and he felt no qualms. And it dawned on us that same time, at that, in, at that hour of the night, that, hey, how many brothers have gone ahead of us? Away from home, away from their spouses, and have had opportunity to engage in what was being offered. James says, but each one of you is tempted when he's carried away. I don't know what it is. It may not be um, as serious as what I've just described with uh, lustful women. It could be money. It could be food. That's interesting. We're using the scenario of food. It could be telling the truth. It could be uh, fill in the blank. Someone help me. I'm drawing a blank here. It could be a host of anything. But James says it starts when we're carried away and we've been enticed by our own lust. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, then when lust has conceived, when lust has taken root, when lust has, um, uh, lose my notes here again, when lust has taken hold of that individual, according to verse 15, just then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, or when, when sin runs full term, it gives birth to death. I'll end with a true story, and I'll try my hardest not to, well, I won't end. I'll land the plane. Uh, a few boys had a rat problem. Not the big ones, the little small. I guess the proper way to say it would be mice. But now I saw a rat as rat. Right? <laughs> they had a rat problem. And we're talking serious rat problems. The type where, you know, you pull up to the dinner table and the rats come out and they kind of sit there with cross leg waiting for the crumbs to drop. They ain't scared. These boys came up with this brilliant idea that they were going to purchase a bunch of traps to catch these rats. And so it was decided upon them that Friday night was rat catching night. They waited till the adults went to sleep and uh, they went into the kitchen and started setting all these traps. From my understanding, there was cheese, there was crackers, because we heard rat like cheese. And other items were placed on the traps and the traps were set. These young men decided that they would sit up and watch a little bit more television, waiting to hear the traps go off. But 
they heard nothing. They went and the traps were checked and the food was still there. But no rats. Someone came up with a bright idea in the group and said, well, maybe the rats smell us. And maybe that's why they ain't fooling with the traps. Another rat trapping event was planned a week later. Uh, and uh, the idea, someone came up with the bright idea, hey, here's what is going to happen. This time we won't set the traps. We'll just put peanut butter and cheese and salami and all sorts of things on the traps and leave it. Felt it was kind of bright. An hour went by, and two hours went by, and all of a sudden these young men started hearing uh, movement in the kitchen. The lights were turned on, and sure enough, some of the traps had food missing. Someone in the group said, Hey, let's not set the traps yet. Let's feed them some more. And so it was agreed amongst the young men, let's feed them some more. The men stole chicken out of the refrigerator, hot dogs. Put it on the traps. This scenario went on for about three or four days where they just fed the rats by way of the traps. Then one night, all 30-something of those little traps were set. Those men had barely turned the light switch off. Went all over the house. Traps going off all over the house. Squeals. Rat traps being dragged. In their excitement, the boys removed the decapitated animals, threw them away, reset the traps. And the question was asked, hey, do we put more food on? Yeah, let's put some more food on. And again, we didn't even have to turn the light off. You know what really got frustrating that night for us little boys, including Patrick? You know when I really got heartbroken in that scenario, which is a true story? There's blood and guts. Can I say that on television? There's body parts hanging from the mouse traps. There's fur. There's just a smell of death in the air. We clean up the traps as best as we could. At this point, I'm feeling sorry for the poor little critters. And someone in the group says, hey, forget the food. Let's just set the traps. 
and we would set the traps again. And would you know those crazy mice would still go to the trap. No food on it. Wow, next. It was a bloodbath. And as a youngster, I'll never forget the image embedded on my mind that night as if God was saying to me through the power of His Holy Spirit, He says, Patrick, that's you. But God, what do you mean? I ain't no rat. No, that's how you are with sin. With tears in my eyes, I'm taking the poor little wiggling things and I'm throwing them away. But you know, I'd like to think that when sin presents itself, we're able to say, "Uh uh-uh, get out of here. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? Wouldn't it be cool if Satan came to us with the the trident thing with the horns? We'd pick him out, coming out, we'd pick him a mile away, wouldn't we? There's Satan next week. Wouldn't we? But it in the Christian walk, it doesn't happen that way, does it? Does it? We're tempted when we're carried away. We're lulled to sleep. We're taken away from home, as it were, and we're sung a nice little lullaby and don't know that we're inhaling carbon monoxide. I don't know what it is you're struggling with. And don't look up at me as if to say, well, Patrick, that's fine and good for you because you don't have struggles. Yes, I do. I don't say it with pride. I say it with a heart full of remorse. But until we hear that trumpet blast, we all will struggle with sin, won't we? We get to choose, though, whether or not we give into it. We get to choose whether or not we're going to participate in it. We get to choose whether or not we're going to, to yield. And what's so upsetting is sometimes we've seen like those mice. I don't know. I don't know what was in their thinking that night. I'm sure... They probably, the first couple that got killed, they probably sent the, 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 the healthiest looking ones out. Well, maybe the, the, the ugliest looking ones. Buster, you go out there first and touch it and see what happens. No? Hey, hey touch it. Nothing happened. Hey, look at that. Look at Guys, look. Look, look. There's nothing. Oh, food. Look at this. I'm eating, guys. Come, come, come. Listen, look, this is enough. Here's peanut butter. Hot dog. Ooh, let's dip. We've seen people go ahead of us, engaging in the same activity. And we look at them and say, well, wow. He was messing around with pornography, Don. He looks fine. He's still happily married. They're holding hands. There's nothing wrong. I guess it's okay, too. Well, 
I'll touch it. Ooh, wow, see, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. Look, 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 look. I'll just sit here a while and enjoy the moment. Nothing's happening. I'll just take my time and enjoy the, the sin, the temptation. Allow myself to be buffeted and be carried away and carried away <laughs> and carried away. Wow, boy, home looked far, but you know what? If the lights turn on, I can make a quick dash. If the trumpet blasts, I'll just repent real quick. If the lights turn on, I'll just click, 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 click. I'll get, just, I'll just get out. If an audit's done, I'll just put the money back real quick. If my lie is found out, I'll just plead the fifth. I'll just pretend I, I don't know where. Are you following me? I'm, I'm oversimplifying it because I want us to see the harsh realities of what we get into when we finally say, I'm going to sin. Spirit of God is in us saying, no, don't do it. Come back. Come back home. No, don't do it. Don't say that word. Don't watch that program. Don't listen to the, No, no. Uh, yeah, 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 I hate you, but look, see? <laughs> Nothing. See, look. Ooh. And the Spirit of God still today is saying, no, don't do it. You're going to disqualify yourself. Remember the children of Israel. Remember the ones who grumbled. 23,000 of them died one day. Don't forget. Patrick, don't forget the whooping you got last week. Yeah, but I know, guess what? Look, nothing. <laughs> See, look. Anybody been there? And all the while, while we're sitting over here being enticed, being carried away, Traps being set. May that not happen to anyone in here tonight. May this be a wake-up call. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says as I bring this to a close. Yes, the plane has landed. We're taxing to the, to the gate. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, God will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. For those of you who say, well, Brother Rutherford, you don't, you don't understand the temptations I go through. You don't understand the people I work with. You don't understand. No, I don't understand. God does. And according to 1 Corinthians 10.13, guess what? 
Your temptation is all news. Everyone experiences it. According to the text. It's common. But there's a but word in there that says, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond. You can resist the temptation, is the point I'm trying to make. The Spirit of God living in you will cause you, if you choose to listen, to resist, to stand firm. Because according to James, James says, oh, where am I? James says, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, in other words, once he's been tested and found to be passed, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Folks, there is a crown, there is a reward for us who endure to the end. Amen? So whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're struggling with, hang on. But also understand that we've lost some brothers and sisters in this fight. We've had some brothers and sisters in this fight who have been disqualified because they were carried away. They were enticed by their own lust. And that lust, what happened to it? It conceived sin. And sin, when it went full term, gave birth to death. The scripture is still true today when it says, for the wages of sin is, hasn't changed. The unfortunate thing with us today is we live in this time that we know is grace. Here's where we are. (laughs) Your grace and mercy. God's grace is going to take care of me. God don't judge no more. See? I just look, look at that. Look, look, see? Pastor Michelot today was talking about the discipline of our parents. One of the things my grandmother was quick to do was whenever we messed up, she was quick to tighten things up. Our desire was for us to realize that there was a price to pay for sin. We were convinced that my grandmother, we used to call her mama, we were convinced that mama was aborigine. She could throw things in the current turn corners. So running was not an option. You're going to get in the back, outside your head, something, but she's going to catch you. Bloody and bleeding, she'll whoop you and then patch you up. But you were going to pay for sin. And unfortunately today, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have that short catch, do we? We don't see the ground opening up and swallowing 23,000, as Scripture said. We don't see uh, uh, serpents coming out of the wilderness and biting people. We don't, we don't, we don't see that anymore, do we? May we not find ourselves at the feet of God Most High, cowering in fear of judgment for sin that we've done. But may we be able to all stand before Him with boldness, with humble boldness, and say, Father, thank You for the Spirit of God You've given me. Thank You for teaching me. Thank You for causing me to walk in the way of righteousness. Can we bow our heads in prayer?
Father, maybe this message has been for me. Maybe there are one or two here, dear God, who you've taken your word and embedded it deep into the good soil of their heart. Whatever the case may be, dear God, you promised that your word would not come back empty, void, without it accomplishing that which you set it out to do. So, Father, I ask right now that as your word has gone forth tonight, may it sink now deep into the good soil of all all our hearts. Father, cause it to grow. Cause it to bear fruit for your honor and your great glory. Father, as we jump into your word, as we dig in your word, as we seek time to be with you in your word, cause us to learn what righteousness is. Cause us, dear God, to learn what right living is. Bend our hearts towards you. May we be able to say in that day, dear God, when we stand before you, that we stood for righteousness. May we be able to say, dear God, that uh, we resisted. May we be able to look in your eyes and anticipate that crown of life that you promised for us who endure to the end. May we not be disqualified by our behavior. Father, bless your word. Father, thank you for your word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.